New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Working in collaboration with others takes skill and attention. Often it will include changing our mindset. It's helpful to learn how to read the energetic clues, both in yourself and others. This can apply to working with teams of people or being in a committed relationship. Today we'll be exploring the perils and pitfalls of partnering, as well as how to improve our skills to help those partnerships thrive with our guests, Kathy and Gary Hawk. Kathy Hawk is founding director and Gary Hawk is managing director of Get Clarity International. They are co-authors of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering, from power struggles to co-creative adventures. Join us for the next hour as we explore many playful and effective ways to be with one another with our guests, Kathy and Gary Hawk. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Kathy, Gary, welcome. Oh, we're happy to be here. Yes, Justine. So good to be here. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be sitting down with you once more. And this time, we are going to be talking about, mostly about partnerships. So many people are finding themselves working in relationship with others for various reasons. Teams of people, even where we live, we might have uh, groups of people that get together. And how do we do that really effectively? Because we're, we're going to have to do this more and more, I believe, in these times. If we could begin by talking about how you, the two of you, actually wrote this newest book in partnership with with another person. So if you could describe, what was that process? Well, I'll start that one because when I was meditating, and this is uh, three years ago now, um, when I was in meditation, I kept getting the message that, that we... This country, people don't know how to partner well. And so the message was write a book about how to partner and give people some thought choices, how to set their mind when they're working with other people. And so that's what started the book. 
And that's why we made it powerful partnering, like a verb, like an action, instead of partners, like more like a noun. But uh, because we're partnering all the time, we're partnering with our intimate partners, our business partners, our children, like you were saying, Justine, like we're in an HOA now. I mean, my gosh, which is a home homeowners association. And you better figure out in that how to get along with other people in a way that honors everybody's different perspectives. So that was what started the process. And because it's about partnering, Gary and I thought to ourselves, well, the book should be an integrity. We should model what our message is by inviting in another author to partner with us. And um, and that's what we did. We invited in Teresa Byrne, uh, and she's a, a well-known martial artist and uh, wrote a lot of the parts of our book about uh, how to hold your own boundaries in partnership, what to say yes to and what to say no to. Yeah, she brought a different perspective. Um, and one of the one of the ways, because when sometimes when partners uh, work together, not both of them may not have the same level of of excitement or interest about the writing. And I believe Kathy's uh, vision that partnering really needs to be written about. But I found myself not being able to to write this as quickly as I wanted to, or to to have it come to me as quickly as I wanted to. And there was a few months in there where it kind of got drug out because I wasn't writing. That's when I stepped back and I said, we need to, let's bring someone else in. And that, uh, and that's kind of how the dialogue started. Instead of just Kathy and I writing it, well, let's, you know, this is partnering. One of the partners is not as um, focused on it as the other. Well, then let's get someone in that is. And that's what happened because Teresa came in and lit a fire under both of us and, and, it happened like this. So there was a symbiosis in some way that she brought in. But there are also some challenges when you're working with like more than like the two of you are partners in life mm-hmm. and in work. And then you bring in another person and then that changes the dynamic. So can you describe a little bit about how that changes and how you have to accommodate it? Well, yes, uh, I can, because it was it was one of the biggest challenges. And your listeners will know that whenever you bring in other people, I I would say it's a little messy. And uh, you have to you have to have a system to communicate that helps that clear up. And that's what we we uh, ended up doing is we created a different feedback system so that we would always be in contact with each other on the changes. And did we miss some? Sure, we did. Yes, of course. And uh, the good news is, is because we respect each other and support one another in the vision, we were able to go right on past that and, and get it uh, with a lot more ease then, then I thought maybe there were times when I thought it wasn't going to be really easy, um, but we did. We got it. Actually, one of the we followed the operating system that's written in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our co-author Teresa is, operates on the same level we do on the operating system and making sure that that she's uh, participating what we call above the line and positive, and that's how we did it. So we followed our operating system and bringing in a a collaborator. You know, Kathy and I live it that way every day, 
So bringing in a third collaborator, we brought in someone that also had experience in in keeping her energy positive and effective and, and monitoring and sustaining her own thoughts. So Gary, you brought up something, you, you use the term above the line, and some of our listeners may not know what you mean by above the line, because this is a basic principle of your entire work. So say something about that. Well, we have uh, we have a graphic that that gives direction to people with positive thoughts. So there's positive thoughts, and then there's a transition line that we call the line. And actually, in color, we colored it gray because it's foggy when you're not sure where you're going. And then we have the opposite, which we call under the line, which would be the negative thoughts. So when we say above the line, it says that we have focused our attention on thought patterns, mindsets that have been scientifically measured to be more positive, to have a higher frequency wavelength, actually. And so when Gary and I started uh, to working uh, with Teresa, the grounding uh, action in partnership is is on the above the line is called support. And its opposite is greed. And, and that pair of words, so greed would say, I'm going to withhold my energy from the partnership, whether I hold, withhold sex or money or thoughts or creativity. But uh, a support field says there's room in it for every lights on vision, for every energized vision. And so although they were different, and in all partnerships, they are going to be different. Yes. That's what makes it creative. So let, let me just go through, just, just to give our listeners, we're talking about these individual above the line and below the mm -hmm. line. I just want to say a few words about sure. that. So you would list like effortlessness, high noticing, authenticity, enthusiasm, dedication, excitement, trust, courage, and celebration, and gratitude, and curiosity. Those are all above the line. Now, below the line are when you are in fear or denial or exhaustion, mm -hmm. noticing your exhaustion, anxiety, defiance, just like, oh, I'm just not going to do this. Um, then you use self-importance. That's a good one that, you know, you think you're the only one. And uh, habituation and overdoing. That's a big one in our society. So these are some of the below the line, just in, to to give people a feeling that when you you encourage people to go into that high noticing and self-checking all the time, here's where I am. In fact, you have a daily practice that you encourage people to do. Uh, can you say something about that? Well, we, um, we have a, uh, we call it the daily check-in. Uh, and Kathy and I do it individually. We do it uh, together. Uh, and it's just a series of five questions that, that uh, we have to answer them from an above-the-line or effective perspective. The first question is, what's different? It's not a big question, but I want to live a life of distinction and discernment. So I, wanna, I don't want somebody to ask me, how's your day? And I go, same-o, same-o. I want to be able to say, everything's different. Like today, it's cloudy outside as we're talking. That's, so that's that one. And then, 
And then we have a, a two other questions is, what works in my performance and what didn't work in my performance in the last period of time? Because I want to study my performance. I want to be making sure that I'm paying attention to what did work and what wasn't as effective as I wanted it to be. And then we ask, what are we grateful for? Because that brings in some of the highest energy there is, the state of our mind, the state of our body, and the state of our spirit. We look through our whole system in this moment to scan the system to see where we are. And then we set our intention for the day. Um, and that's kind of, that's the check-in. And it just grounds you. And it can be done in moments or it can take a half hour. And, and we encourage people to check in themselves on their own, even if they don't have a partner uh, or a team. Um, but what, as Gary was talking, you could see that what's different makes your mind go to high noticing. Uh, so it's a, a very positive versus habituation. When you ask what it, your intention is, then you're positively saying that you're going to focus on intention. When you're grateful, you're focusing that way. So we call that positivity. And in all of our teamwork and partnerships, uh, we always do the check-in first because we say positivity comes before productivity. So instead of going right to work and pounding it out and, you know, doing all the tasks that are required, um, we always set the field. We call that an energy field and we set it positively. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk. They are the uh, Found, she's the founding director of Get Clarity, and Gary is managing director. And they are the co-authors with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering, From Power Struggles to Co-Creative Adventures. To know more about their work, you can go to their website, getclarity.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk, and they are partners in Get Clarity and co-authors with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering, From Power Struggles to Co-Creative Adventures. First of all, I would like to say that the two of you have been working together in your work for 14 years. So in many ways, I know that you have gotten lots of feedback from different people including myself. 
that I've gone through your program, I'll, I'll say that it is, um, you model a kind of partnering. And why is that important? Well, I, frankly, for, I don't think we're even conscious of that, frankly. I mean, we've heard it, on, but it's just the way we do life. We have this belief that I'm responsible for my own energy. Kathy's not responsible to light me up. I am. And when I, and when I take on that responsibility, then, then I'm, I'm responsible to sustain and uh, change and monitor my own thinking so that I'm effective. And then I also need to create space for Kathy to have that same thing. So I don't interfere with her ability to be lights on. Now, for us, that's just kind of a natural flow through our day. It's not even conscious anymore. I'm just reminded of that people go look for partnerships and they'll say, oh, you complete me. You know what I'm saying? So where where is that not quite what you two are going for? Well, let me say that... uh, uh, our co-author, Teresa Byrne, wrote about that. That was one of the things that she's noticed in her boundary-setting work is that people would say that, will you complete me? And to us, that's a red flag. So if you're not whole yourself and know how to handle your own self, as Gary said, then then having somebody else complete you is a very faulty uh, uh, operating system. So you want to, is that a bottomless well? Yes, it is. That's a good way to say it. It's like one, like good partnership is synergy. It's one and one makes three, and it's bigger than than both partners and uh, and the effect they have in the world. And that's why synergy is above the line in our uh, structure here. Um, because it, uh, and it's dark side. The opposite is egotism. So uh, it's very, very different when, when, in our model and what people see in us is Gary and I share a vision of respect for each other's support for our individual visions. We uh, and in that, that just shows that there's no judgment. It's he's he's different. I love Gary's differences. I've always said if there were two of me. I would, that would not be that would very be boring. It would it? be boring. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the same with all the people we partner with. Uh, I love their perspective. It, it just, it, it enriches me. So you find when Teresa came on the team that the two of you adding this third person really enhanced something, even though it might not be easy, mm-hmm. especially in the first part of it to integrate your vi- All right, let's talk about integrating vision here, uh, because that's the first maybe step is that you have to talk about a similar vision. Mm-hmm. Is so, so can you? Well, we um, when we uh, we sit down and we sat down with Teresa, too, and spent some time. What what is my personal vision for this book and what I want? And then what is Kathy's personal vision for this book? And then what is Teresa's? And so. Uh, it's just like when we do uh, when we do partnership coaching and we have partners come in for retreat, we're interviewing both of them to describe what their ideal partnership is. And so we're creating that energy of what's your ideal partnership? And then for some, it may be some different things, but then we put the common pieces together and that becomes the shared vision. So that's what we focus on. 
in partnership in any, when I've done teamwork, when I've done, we've gone in to help uh, business partners, it's still, what's that shared vision we want to focus on? So tell me, if you run into difficulties, do you go back to that and say, okay, let's go back to square one. Are we still on the same vision? Is that what you do? Yes. Yeah, so we think of it as fields. Uh, so we have your field, my field, and the shared field. And so that's what, as Gary was saying, so although... Uh, the my field and the other person's field, and it uh, may have differences in it, we pick the common areas and put that into the shared vision. We call that the third place. And in the third place, the shared vision is what we always reference back to. It is our North Star. It is where we go when differences pop up, which they will. I mean, my goodness. So it might be important to write that down. So you have it, maybe that visual of having it right there and say, all right, this is what we agreed to several weeks ago or several months ago. Is this still the same? And then you go through that process again? Is yes. It yeah, we do it actually with the vision maps. I mean, we do write some things, but in reality, we turn it into a visual. And when we have partners come in, we have them turn it into a shared vision. We make them sit down at a table and draw their shared vision together off the notes where you where they had those things in common. And even that process has them having to give and take in that into that system. But then we, you know, Kathy and I have, I don't know, three or four around our home of shared visions we've created. You know, we had a shared vision for what this year was going to be. We had a shared vision about eight or nine years ago. We did a uh, or 10 years ago, we did a 20-year aging gracefully vision. Well, that's a big, beautiful piece of art in our house. And we look at it often, and we're on that track. And when you when you do that vision board, it's not just words that you put down. Your little pictures, little graphics of people and colors. And, mm -hmm. and so it really becomes very, very vivid. It becomes very, very vivid. It's a beautiful piece of art that has meaning. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And the fun part when when uh, people partner together to draw their map, I just you can just see them put their heads together on it and they'll say, well, I don't know, you're the better artist. I don't know, but you like color. So I'll do the outline and you do the color and we'll put in the, you know, and all of a sudden uh, you see them working collaboratively. You know, I'm I'm just reminded right now in my life, I'm working with a new team of people. It's where I live. And it's a very diverse senior housing. And we have an issue that we're working on together. And so we're forming a coalition of the whole property. And so there's a steering committee that, that we've formed to begin to just start the process. So there are five of us. And we're very diverse. We come from different backgrounds. And not all of us have come through Get Clarity, and, but, it, but different skills are available. And I'm finding, oh, gosh, this process is difficult. It's, it's not easy to come to a real collaboration because things just come up. And I think, I think it's time for us to go back. I'm just reminded, oh, go back. 
and maybe us do a vision board and say, what are we really seeing this group and what do we see for the future? What is our intention? That, that's, um, that is the work right there because I've worked on, I've worked on teams before, pretty high-level team before that we all had a vision for what we wanted this organization to do. But the guy that was in charge of marketing, he didn't like me and I didn't like him. I didn't like the way he acted. I didn't like his any of that. But I had incredible respect for his skill set to help us achieve that shared vision. So I know he didn't like me either, but it never came up because all we focused on was going to that shared vision. So we worked very well together. We didn't go out and have dinner and party after work because we didn't like each other. But boy, we worked well when we were together because we had a common vision. That is so good because those personalities are going to have clashes. And I can feel that in this small group of the five of us. I can feel that. And this just bypasses all of that. It just takes you back to your intention. Yeah, every time I would um, react to maybe one of his idiosyncrasies, where in the past I might have gotten angry, I just, it just ignored it because it had nothing to do with us sitting in the meeting and creating that shared vision. So you were going for effectiveness. Yep. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that second question and the, and the check-in, what worked, what didn't, is in, in high-performing partnerships, teams, and people, they aim and focus on what what's working instead of what isn't working. And the it's so interesting in our culture that uh, so much of conversation is about, well, that's not good or it doesn't. It's the what not instead of the what if. And so the really the focus in a shared vision, and like going back to your group, Justine, for each person to put one thing in that shared field um, that that really lights them up for this project. So that that would be that. And then you'll end up with a focus, something to focus on. And, and with diversity, it's so easy to focus on the differences and the um, and, and powerful partnering as a verb, as an action, as how you do life. The way to do it is focus on what's common, what works. So I'm just reminded of something that I picked up in your book and other people are talking about your thoughts create your reality. So if you're always focusing on what's not working, then that's what you're focusing on. Right. And that's how people all the time say, how did we end up getting everything we didn't want? And I'm like, hello, stop. You know, the old, in, in grade school, stop, drop and roll. Okay, stop. <laughs> Whatever you focus on, so if you're focusing, that's why you're getting everything you don't want. So we use a metaphor for creative thought that life is like a movie and you are writing the script. That's how we do it. So we say there's the director, just like all performances. The director is your mind, your mindset, your thoughts. In our structure, we use the positive thought system. They're you know just as long as the thought's positive. That's step one. With 125 thousandths of a second or less, your body will produce either an adrenalized reaction or an endorphin reaction. So lights off or lights on. So adrenal would be negative, uh, fear-based, what I don't want. 
anxiety, anxiety, white, white freeze. You you yeah. feel it in your gut that oh the fear. Mm-hmm. But the uh, other the, one, the is- other your endorphin system, which is serotonin, oxytocin, your natural chemicals to be happy. Uh, uh, so your body will produce by your direction. And that's the key, the key thing. It's like the childhood game, you know, of Simon Says, same thing. Your body will follow your mind exactly. So that's why mindset is first. So you've got that director, the producer of your body, the performance is the outcome. I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk. They're partners in Get Clarity and they are co-authors with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering, From Power Struggles to Co-Creative Adventures. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk, and they are partners in Get Clarity and also co-partners and co-authors of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering, From Power Struggles to Co-Creative Adventures. And the third person is the co-author is Teresa Byrne. You have these wonderful graphics, and you have in the back of the book, I want to tell people, it's so exciting you have folded up in the back of the book is a a map. It's a map of a river that just takes you through this whole process graphically. I just was amazed that you got this in the book and it's right there and you can see, you know, where you start, you start your course and get your vision and where you start your partnering and where you where you go into eddies and where you go over, you know, log jams and all sorts of things. So yeah, I just appreciate so much how you put that together. And in the ways that you talk about above the line and below the line, in partnership, I want to bring up one particular one because I think we get confused about this. And you have above the line in, in creating with others. When you're in teams... Sometimes there's alignment, and we all know that we love alignment when we're all working like that. But what we get kind of afraid of is something called chaotic. And you have that above the line, way up at the top, that that's okay. So I'd love for you to say something about chaotic and chaos. You were asking about the term chaotic. And that is a combination word be, uh, where chaos and order are put together. And chaos and order is actually a natural system. So when, pe- when I hear people saying, I'm in chaos, I think they're mixing it up with confusion. Because chaos is right-brained. It's highly creative. It's like all kinds of ideas and inputs coming in. And then the left brain comes in and orders it. So a chaos is actually how our brain systems work. And it's also how nature works. So nature is a chaos. The Big Bang Theory was a chaos. Um, so that's very, having 
creative ideas and ordering them is a chaos, and that's normal. It's it's a beautiful structure. The confusion is where you don't know where you're going. I think of confusion as being in the fog. Uh, literally, you can't see your way out, and so so that would be the discernment between chaos, uh, chaos and order, or a chaos and being in confusion. So not to to actually get into worrying about oh this feels wrong it's not in alignment it's not ordered it's okay mm-hmm. it is it's more than okay if you don't if you can't embrace the process of chaos and order as creative then what happens is you get some pretty boring structures or systems or ideas or uh, uh, it is to learn to embrace chaos is really, really a high-level thought. And so if you're in that part and it feels chaotic, then you go back to your vision? Is that what Correct. You go back to your vision, or, or you know, I could go into that uh, the attention guide you've uh, been talking about, where then I, I focus on a different word, or I focus on something else that helps me get my energy above the line. And, and when I start to do that, I can I can actually recognize, you know, confusion isn't necessarily a bad energy. Confusion is an is a high energy place telling me I need to I need to move, I need to make a decision. I need to focus in a different way. And so then I focus on some energy above the line. And that helps me get through the confusion or get clarity. So so you're saying so you're you're feeling confusion, you notice that because it's an energy. And then you turn your attention to something else. You go to, oh, um, appreciation, you might say, or uh, you go to, I don't know, co-creation or what, what, what else could you turn your attention to? Well, I like, so, so in confusion, basically you're stuck. That's the way to think about it. You're not going anywhere. You're stuck. I always think a fun one to go through in confusion is to go to excitement and to ask the question, what would excite me? And that'll just trip your mind. Remember, we did the director-producer performance. So if the performance is confusion and you're stuck, go back to the thought. And I always like to go to, hmm, what could, what could excite me now about this project? You know, it's normal that, that I'm a little bit stuck. So I'm going to go back and be as creative as I can. I love the idea of the directing your movie. So you say, a director would say, cut, you know, <laughs> cut. Uh, you know, they, they see the actors going into confusion and cut. Okay, let's take that over again. And then you give the direction. Let's go. Remember, this scene is about excitement. <laughs> and, and then... that That's a pretty good description of what, yeah. what actually happens. I mean, when I turn... If, I, if whether it's confusion or any other kind of uh, draining energy, um, once I start to feel that, it's my obligation to myself is to live a full to live a fully vital life. I have to hold my own energy no matter what, and that means hold my energy above the line, hold my energy effective. So when I start to feel ineffective, it's it's my obligation right then to stop and say, where is it I want to focus. Where can I focus to bring my energy back up so it becomes more uh, workable? So what do we do if we're working with someone in partnership, collaboration with a team, 
and a team member doesn't have this skill that to to notice that they're in confusion rather than excitement, how how, how can we help them? I uh, if if people aren't trained the way we are in the system, uh, I uh, I come in and just um, I put out a lot of positive energy because the more, you know, instead of getting down and wallowing in the negative with them, it's basically coming at them with as much positive energy as possible because you can't control what other people think, but you can influence their energy by the influence of the energy you put out to them and they can react to that. You, ha you can't control whether they react to it, but that's, that's what I, when I'm working with a team that there's some grouchy members in there. I'm going to just double down on really becoming even more positive, even more effective, focusing on sending out even more effective energy. You know, in, in my team, this little group that I was working with and, and continue to work with, uh, one of our meetings that was happening, I was noticing someone in the, on the team was saying something, and I noticed another member of the team started rolling their eyes. You know, and I noticed that. And so what I did was I I asked us to slow down. I said, wait, wait, slow down. I noticed this person. I, I turned to the person. I, I said, I noticed you rolled your eyes. Is there something you want to say? Let's bring it out and because we need to really know what's what you your wisdom here and what's happening here. And then they did. They said, oh, well, here's what I was thinking when I did that. And, and it was really a wonderful kind of brought it out from that shadow mm -hmm. into the field. Well, you just what you just did is what the director did. Cut, ah. essentially, uh, and stop. Let's recreate it. And you, you had a different structure, but that's exactly what the whole process of the director, the producer, the outcome. So then the outcome was changed because you stopped it. See, in partnerships and teams, when things start to go sideways, uh, people don't stop it. They, they don't. They just kind of let it go on and on and on. So whoever's leading has to be given the uh, authority by the group to stop it, to, to blow the whistle like a referee in a game or the director saying cut. But, you know, in, uh, in all sports, there's always when the game is going uh, into uh, confusion, somebody blows the whistle. A referee. They do. And we say that in, in teams and partnerships. We'll often say, who's going to blow the whistle? Who's going to be the authority here if things start going wrong and then reset the field. I in in our group there is it's um a, a circle without any particular leader. Mm -hmm. that, that there's no designated leader uh in our particular group. So I think that it might be good if that's the case to have permission for anyone yeah. to be the referee and to say I need and to say it out loud to people. If if you feel anything going on Please say something, and let's all agree that we stop there, and we'll do it. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a designated leader. It, do, it doesn't, because shared leadership and shared partnership—that responsibility for every member—is to stop the game, blow the whistle if something's going uh, sideways for them. That's that's a personal responsibility. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to I want you to mention something about resistance 
I know that you talk about that a bit in, in your work and in your book. And, and let's talk about what is resistance and where does it show up and what can we do about it? On the Clarity River. So you can imagine if you're looking at a river and it's got bends and twists and turns in it, just like all real rivers, um, the re resistance in, in, is on one of the bends. And what that does, so resistance is actually a very uh, effective thing because people think resistance is a bad thing, but resistance actually will slow a flow pattern. So let's remember that we're all in flow. So if life is a river, if, if we were, were willing to take that metaphor, and it's not a straight line, there are twists and turns, then the purpose of resistance is to slow the flow pattern enough that you can recenter and relook at things. Now, if it goes on for a long time, that's defiance. Then it goes from a normal part of a flow pattern. So think about electricity. If you stick your finger in the socket, you're creating the resistance. Now there's, you know, very different outcomes, but yeah. uh, the, but that's in, in uh, electric systems, which are flow patterns, resistance is normal. And so is life. So resistance is actually, when you look at it from an above the line perspective, positive, and resistance comes into a conversation or a partnership or a field, it's like, again, it's time to stop. Wait a minute. Are we going too fast here? Do we need to recenter? Do we need to relook at our vision? Do we need to go back to that? How do we recognize it when we're in the middle of it? How do what what are the signs? Well, I mean, I guess part of it is uh, one of the questions. If I'm feeling something that's blocking uh, progress, one of the first questions I ask is. Is this my, am I blocking this project? Is it my energy, my what contribution, or is it someone else's? And if it's mine, then I can start focusing my energy so that I'm looking at things from an effective point of view and then recognizing resistance or recognizing that the resistance was in my own thinking. If it's somebody else's, then I've got to do the same thing by in, through influence. By influence my energy or influence the way I ask questions or, or open up re, uh, the resistance to, to effective So knowledge. you're not making them wrong. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk. They are partners in Get Clarity. They are partners in life. And they are co-creators and co-authors with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering from power struggles to co-creative adventures. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Kathy and Gary Hawk. They are the co-authors with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering. And I would like to go back to what we were talking about in the last segment uh, about resistance. And there's an example that you gave in the book of how it came up for someone. And can you describe that example? Well, there, um, this couple was uh, found a unique property that they started to uh, they started to imagine how it could serve their business and everything. But it was a very unique property. It was an old house behind some office buildings. It was just very unique. So they they put in an offer. And then they found out that the plumbing was attached to the another house. And so that was resistance. And then when they started to go a little bit further, they found out they couldn't, they couldn't get access uh, without an easement of some kind to have a driveway to their house. And they, these just keep coming up over the period of two or three months until they finally realized that that resistance was saying, no, this is not the right property. That's what that. That's how the resistance came in in that story. And then what happened at the end? They walked away from that one. And then they went on and they opened the next, actually almost in the next week or a couple of days later, once they made the decision that we're not doing that property, the perfect home came up exactly like they asked for, exactly within the parameters and their dream. And uh, uh, they wouldn't have seen it if they just stuck with that one that was had so many resistive pieces. So that's a way of just noticing, wait, this path is is going on. Not the first resistance might might be, okay, well, we'll focus, we'll we'll get over that hurdle, so to speak. But then when it kept coming at them, that happened for my partner and I when we same thing. We were buying a property and same thing. And we just kept saying, yes, we can do that. Yes. Finally we walked away from it and within weeks this other property showed up. So it's a great example. I just remembered that. And I use a rule of three and resistance, but that's just a personal rule. I mean, it could be four for somebody else. But the first one is a hurdle. If you, And then the second one is kind of, then I'm getting a little alerted that there might be a pattern occurring. And then by the third resistance, I say, I am being shown by my guides a pattern. And this is a chance for, to say no close the door. So at a choice point, uh, when you when a door is closed, then another one will open. And that's the trust that I have in the process that when you follow guidance like that, then uh, the, do- the next door will open. So you use the word choice point. And I know that's very important in your work. So I'd love for you to describe what is it and how we can make it more effective in our own lives. Well, in essence, every moment of our life, we're at a choice point. And to begin with, it's how are we thinking? So are we focusing positively or focusing negatively? And it can be a choice points of, do I go do something now? Say, like, go to a grocery store, which is very mundane. However, it is a choice point, And I'll come back to why that might be important. Then there are the really big ones. Like, do I... Do I move? Do I take a new job? Do I marry somebody? Do I divorce somebody? So those are the big choices that are life changing. And at at that moment is when we ask people to stop 
and really take a look at what lights them up, where what is effective, what's working in a situation or what's not working, and then choose to go in the path that has more what's working in it. And uh, and when it's you know I th- there was an uh, an exercise for years about writing pros and cons. That this is a similar mental piece to pros and cons, but it, we do it by lights on. By does it create energy in you or does it drain you? And at those choice points, because we're in a culture, Justine, where people say do it even if it kills you. That's energy talk. Don't do it if it kills you. You know how about the fun, save the best for last. Well, wow. So by the time the last comes, you're so exhausted doing the stuff you didn't like to get there that you're, you're too exhausted to, to do the best. So we say in clarity, save the best for first. Ooh. Do it first. That's our productivity, our positivity before productivity. So I'm thinking when in that list of pros and cons, that's more, it seems to me, possibly an intellectual process. Correct. You go, okay, well, this works and this one will cost this, or, you know, you just go through all mm-hmm. of that. But what you're talking about is a whole body sort of way of looking at it. You're saying, what gives me energy? Mm-hmm. That's a very different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can elaborate uh, well, on every, that? I mean, you know, choice points, uh, little choice points throughout the day. I mean, uh, uh, what I eat, uh, um, how did I, did I eat a bunch of uh, store-bought cookies uh, uh, so I've got a stomachache? Well, I got a choice point the next time that happens and remembering that energy is draining. And, and I still love the cookies, but I'm only going to have one or two. Those are all little choice points, but they're all energy-based. You know, I, I'm paying attention to where's my energy after I did this one thing the last time I made that choice. So I want to make a different choice. And like Kathy said, choice points, we're doing them throughout the day. And, and as it goes back to high noticing, to stop doing things out of routine patterns uh, so that in high noticing, you're checking your energy all the time. That's what you do at choice points. And um, again, we were taught to do it more analytically, what you're saying. So uh, there's an analytic way to do that. And that those are things that have to be considered, of course, especially like if you're purchasing properties or what have you. But um, the energetics are equally important. So if you want to take it back to a K-Ord, a K-Ord, the order side is the analytic the, uh, way of looking at it, and the chaos is the energetic. So when you combine them both, you get this beautiful big picture. So it's not like you just skip the intellect. Uh, you use that. That's a partner. That's a, part- That's a your, partner. Your internal partner. Yes. But it's not the whole game. Mm-hmm. It isn't the whole game. And people, you'll see people at choice points choose things that end up draining them because it like it worked out numerically or, you know, the numbers. They always say, well, the numbers worked on this side. Of course, I'm not happy, but the numbers worked. And I'm like, "Uh oh, that's good. So there and even though we don't see a path in front of us, clearly, you're saying it's more beneficial to and more sustainable to follow the energy. One of the first words above the line is trust. Well, trust is a high energy. So if I'm feeling energy and, I, and it's attracting me to that one direction, I'm going to trust that. I want to take the next step. And then that'll deepen my trust for taking the next step. 
Um, and just I'm constantly following what it is that lights me up on either a project, a thought, a book, a relationship. It's always running it through that filter. Does it light me up or does it drain my energy? You know, I'm getting the visual in my mind right now of driving a highway, a windy highway that I've never been on before. This is kind of like that when, okay, that didn't light me up over there, but I'm going to make this decision. And, and it's dark, dark night. And all I can see is as far as my headlights are lighting up. And so it's like those baby steps, and I just keep following that highway the way those lights lead me. Yes. Does that make sense? Well, you've gone to the edge of your light, and then what happens, and that is the energetic system, when you look back, you realize how far you came. And in the dark, you don't know that. It, the, uh, a, a childhood... Um, a fable with Hansel and Gretel is the way they got out of the dark forest if, if, uh, if by following the crumbs. Well, what if the crumbs are the next lights on step? What if that? And you don't have to see how you're going to get out. You can't, you're not reading the end of the book before you have the journey kind of thing. You just follow the next energetic step. So I hear you repeating over and over again is to stay above the line is to really be in a more positive energy, to, to not focus uh, on what we habitually do is what's not working, but what is working. So I'd love for you to end this conversation with really talking about that and encouraging us. Well, when as life is a journey, if I were to ask somebody um, to say, well, you, you're, let's let's imagine they're going to move, they're going to relocate, and I would say to you, uh, where do you? What's your vision? Where do you want to go? And they would say, and I'm just going to make this up. Well, I don't want to move to Memphis. Okay, so now they focused on what they don't want, and now we have no direction. Do you see? We don't know where we're going. We are stuck. However, if they say, if I ask the same question. Where, what, are, what is your vision for where you're moving? And they say, well, I'm not really sure, but I think I'll, get, I'll give a try to, let's say, Denver or San Francisco or something like that. Now we have a directional signal. Do you see by that momentary shift of focusing for possibility what might work, even if we don't know for sure, at least we've got flow. When they focus on what the the what didn't what they don't want then there's no flow there's is stuff. that like the log jam on the river it is like the log jam yeah. you've reached the log jam you got to pull them out to get flow so even if you don't know and you're curious that will create more flow than saying what they don't want and I love the word curious, and I know that you use it a lot. Mm -hmm. That's above the line. Yes. To be curious. Very high energy work. <laughs> That's yes. great. I love it. It's one of my favorite words. I want to thank you both for being part of New Dimensions today. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Kathy Hawk and Gary Hawk, and they are the co-authors along with Teresa Byrne of Get Clarity for Powerful Partnering. From Power Struggles to Co-Creative Adventures. And they are partners in Get Clarity. And if you want to know more about their work, you can go to their website, getclarity.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. 
I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3660. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.